Good evening. Welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopta at C70. With me, as always, David Jones, IPOP editor. And we're coming to you on Monday um, because my co-host has not trained his family to understand that football is not a real sport. And so... (laughs) Ouch. Yeah. I I mean, I wasn't going to hold it against you, but I probably will. Um, But... That means we come into to Monday with fresh Cardinal news, which has been at least the t- few times we've had to delay, David. They, the Cardinals do tend to give us something for delaying. I don't know if that's because they want us to come record or they're so happy we didn't record that they feel <laughs> like they should make a move. You know, and it's funny what we consider to be news these days, because, uh, you know, we had an entire podcast, I think, talking about Wilking Rodriguez and the Rule 5 draft that was coming up or who was protected and who wasn't, uh, mm-hmm. because it's been such a slow moving off season. Uh, now, for Cardinals fans, it's actually moved somewhat. If if you're like a Marlins fan or some of those teams, you've seen nothing happen yeah. so far to this point. So, yeah, we've we've gotten a little bit bit of news this week uh some that's kind of a oh okay and then some that was like what <laughs> yeah um and i think you know we had news today but i i mean we have to start with the thing that came out of nowhere and i think that everybody has to weigh in on david where were you when you heard that james nail was going to korea <laughs> well um I had just woken up and I had checked my phone and I was just dumbfounded. I I nearly went back to bed and said, let's start this day over again because (laughs) I could not believe it. Um, And I thought, how in the world are they going to fill this 40 man roster spot? The Cardinals have to fill it. This team cannot just sit around and let an open spot be there on the 40 man. How will they fill it? So that's pretty much how it went for me. How, how, how did you take it? Well, I mean, I had just written a Substack on the roster um, and that had only been out there for about three hours when James Nail went to Korea. So, you know, that I had that going for me. Thankfully, I did not actually have Nail on the roster, but then, you know, that's still pretty soon afterwards was very much out of date. Um, I, I will say it was interesting because you hear, I have heard this before <clears throat> about a player being transferred to Korea or Japan or whatever the case may be. And you, and, and Jeff Jones made a point of saying on Twitter that, Hey, this isn't the Cardinals just, you know, like trading him to Korea. This was like his agent working this deal. And basically they asked for this kind of move and the Cardinals, you know, kind of agree with it because there are times where in the past where I'm like, is that part of the CBA where they have to like be open to all of a sudden be sent off to another country? I, I didn't feel like it, but it was kind of good to get that kind of clarification that this is something that that Nail and his um, his organ his representation had been looking for. It, it wasn't just you know a hammer blow to him. Yeah, I think there's you can find some videos on the internet where teams have kind of pulled pranks on players and have told them they've been traded to Japan or Korea or something like that, just to kind of pull something on them. And that's one of those things you just can't do that without a player's knowledge or consent. So uh, the wording on it is always interesting in how it's done, but this is kind of one of those mutual agreements, agree to move on type things rather than what it sounds like. 
So like you said, open 40 man roster spot. That sounds, you know, some teams, some teams actually go through the winter and keep those spots open. I don't know if you knew that, but I think that is not, that's not the Cardinal way. And so the Cardinals the next day fill that 40 man roster spot with what we all saw coming and Matt Carpenter returning to the organization. I, I, you were sending me, I had gone to lunch with my pastor and I looked down at a message from you that said they'd signed Matt Carpenter. And I'm like, I, I was a little bit concerned about your well being, honestly. Uh, I didn't know what was going on here. Yeah, when I sent that to you, it, I, I I sent it and I thought I might need to follow this up and say, no, I am not joking, because <laughs> uh, I was really worried you were going to look at it and be like, OK, he's just being stupid again or something, uh, which is pretty par for the course for me. Uh, but yeah, I, I saw that and I had to look a couple times to make sure I was actually seeing it from the Cardinals account. And then I made sure mm-hmm. I saw it from Katie Wu and then Jeff Jones and a couple others, because I thought, is this really happening? And part of that was because. You and I joked off air. I say joked. It was a semi joke, um, kind of a half joke a couple weeks ago when we heard that the Braves had acquired Carpenter and that they were actually going to release him. We both at the same time, without knowing it, went to baseball reference and checked out his stats last year and kind of went, ooh, that doesn't look good. And we talked about it because we thought this actually seems like a very Cardinals thing to bring him back. But we both agreed his stats were so bad last year and even the year before towards the end of the year that there's just no way it happens. There's no way the Cardinals bring back a guy who really has no defensive position who really struggled to hit the ball, who has back problems, who is near the age that Adam Wainwright was last year. It's just not going to happen, which means, of course, it happened. Yeah, I um, I wrote a substack on this one, too, um, and I, I pulled up the numbers. And from September 1st of 2018, which was the year he you know had that great year, I think we all remember he started off slow, had an incredible summer, but by September, he kind of tailed off again. From September 1st, 2018 to the end of last year, his slash line is 207, 333, 375, WRC plus 98. And that's including the good month he had in New York, uh, which was just like insane. Without that, um, boy, I, I mean, he's probably hitting under under 200, over 1,400 plate appearances. It's not a small sample size. So there isn't, there's not a baseball argument to be made here right i mean i know he worked with matt holiday and i know he worked with Matt holiday before he went to new york and all this kind of stuff and and whatever but there is not really a baseball case to be made for matt carpenter joining this team and making it better well it depends who you talk to if you talk to the cardinals front office of course there is uh but yeah it it, it was a very it was a very odd move from a baseball sense and a very cardinals move from a cardinal sense and in the, I don't know, what did we have, 24 hours in between uh, Nail and Carpenter? Or was it, even I guess, less than that? Um, I had read your piece about the roster, and the thing that really stood out to me is that you had Fermin as kind of like the last guy on the roster with Buddy Kennedy as a possible person being there. And just looking at that, I thought, that seems so weird. We talk about the depth of this team, and to think that Fermin or Kennedy might make this team just seems very strange. And so it kind of in my head, I'm thinking this might leave the door open for them to go out there and get another utility guy, someone that's not going to be 
somebody trying to get into the starting lineup, but someone who knows their role to kind of be a defensive player to back up or something like that. So I thought, you know, the possibility exists that they do go get some type of veteran for this. I did not believe it would be Matt Carpenter uh, because I believe his days of playing second base are over his days of playing first, probably over his days of playing third are long gone. So yeah, it, you know, it, it just, it, it didn't make a lot of sense when I saw it. Now, the fact that they're paying him league minimum mm-hmm. makes a little more sense. And you know, I heard on the radio this morning, and it's a show that I enjoy, but they were kind of making the comment, would you rather have Joey Votto or Matt Carpenter? Would you rather have Brandon Ca- Crawford or Matt Carpenter? And it, that's apples and oranges. I mean, you may have to pay Joey Votto 12 to $15 million to get mm-hmm. him on your team this year. Cardinals are playing paying Matt Carpenter league minimum. That being said, it, I, I don't quite see how he fits on the roster. I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad move because I think in some ways it gets kind of a, oh, well move for right. this last roster spot. But I, I just don't quite see how he makes this team out of spring unless he's rejuvenated and working with Matt Holiday has really paid off. Yeah. And I think when you listen to the comments that Mo has made and, and maybe Carpenter has made, they're not, I mean, it is still possible that he could have a terrible spring and get released. I, I, I believe that. But I also think that, you know, the Cardinals, again, are making this argument, significant argument toward clubhouse culture, and, and which is something we probably need to talk about a little bit. But, you know, I don't think he can make much of an impact on the clubhouse in six weeks in Jupiter, right? So everything that they're saying makes it sound that he's going to be on the team at least to start at least for a while right i mean you know come june and he's hitting 033 then maybe maybe they decide to move on but it feels to me like you know they want him around and he's going to be there whatever whatever the results are um we can argue if that's a good thing or a bad thing but um it does feel like he's kind of here to stay and yeah i i mean you know, what's the best case scenario on, on Matt Carpenter? I mean, even if he hits, which again, he'd have to, you know, if he hit 250, that'd be a significant high from what he is. But I mean, even if he hit, even if he was Matt Carpenter for a little bit of time, you know, even in sporadic time, the old Matt Carpenter, where does he play, right? He's not, you're right. He's not playing first. He's not playing first over Paul Goldschmidt, especially. He's not going to play second, not over, Gorman and Donovan, even if he can play the position, he's not going to play third. He's not going to play the outfield very much. I mean, he surely can't play center and Newt Barr and Walker are going to play the, on the, on the corners. So at best you've got him at your DH and then you've got to wonder about, you know, what, you know, the Cardinals have been rotating that spot. How does that impact stuff? So I, you know, again, it, it's a lot of talk for a guy that's probably going to get, you know, maybe a hundred at bats coming off the bench, but it's still a very, I don't want to say questionable, but I don't know. It's a weird move. I guess maybe that's the best way to put it. Yeah. When I initially heard about the deal and heard that it was a major league deal, my thought was it's going one of two ways. Either he hits really well in spring and makes the club or he hangs it up and retires as a Cardinal. Mm -hmm. I really felt like it was just one or the other. He had to hit his way onto the team or it's the end, but he gets to retire with the birds on the bat, something like that. Then I heard Mo speak and I thought, I don't think so. It, It almost sounds like his spot is solidified on this roster, which is troubling for 
several reasons, but I, you know, the thing that stood out to me most is, as I was thinking about this, as a fan of the Cardinals for many years and a fan of the national league, I'm still trying to get used to the DH position. Mm -hmm. And so prior to the DH, this move makes a little more sense because there might be times where you need him to come in and pinch hit and to draw that walk that he's really good at, or for a good matchup with the DH, you just don't need that nearly as Mm -hmm. much. And his splits for the last two years have not been good against right-handed pitching. He's actually hit left-handed pitching better than right-handed pitching. Now, he barely faced any lefties last year, but even so, the last two seasons, he hit lefties better. Well, if you need somebody to come in and face a pitcher, face a lefty, Cardinals have better options for that. The way Carpenter has hit righties the last two years, they're going to have better options if you know if they bring a righty into the game. Um, I, yeah, so... I, I'm not I'm not upset at the move. I'm mm. not like throwing my hands in the air and saying, you know, oh, what are they doing? I'm not it's not a nostalgia kick or something like that. I mean, I think it probably is a little bit for the Cardinals, but I'm not I'm not upset about that. Um kind of remind me, are you familiar with the traveling Wilburys? I've heard of them, yes. Yeah, they were a I guess you could almost call them a super group um, from the late 80s, early 90s. And it was Bob Dylan, George Harrison, Jeff Lynn, Roy Orbison and Tom Petty, all guys that were past their prime pretty much that came together to form a band. And I kind of felt like that's what the Cardinals are doing. Let's bring back Carpenter. Let's bring back Lance Lynn. Uh, let's make sure our pitching staff is really, really old, things like that. And they're just kind of putting together a super group of guys that are past their prime. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not losing sleep over this one. I, I just don't see how it works. But if the Cardinals are truly going to evaluate him by his play on the field, I am completely fine with it. If he hits his way onto the team, if he shows some renewed power, great. If he's coming out of spring and he's hitting 036, he doesn't need to be on the big league team. Now we'll see what happens. We'll see what injuries play out. We don't know. But if it is strictly a baseball move and they judge it by baseball standards, okay, so be it. It's the last spot on the roster. Oh, well. Uh, we saw the Cardinals carry three catchers at times last mm. year. We saw the Cardinals use Taylor Motter. We saw the Cardinals bury guys on that roster. Okay, no big deal. But it sounds to me, and I think you were kind of hinting at this just a little bit ago, that there's actually more going on than just baseball stuff behind this. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I agree it's not a move that you're going to – Get, you should get too worked up about but i think it's also i mean i think any move can be discussed and you know looked at at the at the positives and negatives and honestly there's probably more negatives and positives on this move um does it make the cardinals worse i don't think so does it make the cardinals better yeah probably not either i mean again maybe we get into that culture the clubhouse culture and maybe that makes the impact but um you know if if he takes the last spot away from jose Fermin. Okay, I mean, I think that I think it's going to be interesting to see that because that means your only shortstop backup is Tommy Edmond, and you know if he's playing center, how does that all work? But if he starts, you know, if Alec Burleson starts in Memphis because of Matt Carpenter, that's when I think you have issues, and hopefully that's not the case. But if you're starting to sacrifice some of these young guys that really have potential for a well past his prime. Um, nostalgia kick. I don't know how you start to think that you're going to be much better than you were last year. Yeah, I agree. If it's taking 
at bats and playing time away from some of the younger guys, then there are issues. Um, you know, we don't think a guy like Thomas Ajaycee is probably going to make the team. Uh, if he makes the team, it means something has gone terribly wrong and multiple guys are injured and they have to use him. Uh, but he's not going to be a guy that goes and sits the bench. Um, you want him playing every day in Memphis. Uh, I think there's other guys that kind of fit that category too. So, yeah, if but if, if Carpenter's taking those at-bats away, if he's not hitting the ball, then yeah, there's some issues going on. Now, let's say he has a resurgence and he's just absolutely crushing the ball and he's getting on base and drawing walks and he's hitting doubles. Sure, maybe this is one of those things you catch lightning in a bottle for a little while. I can't see it lasting the whole season. But but maybe there is, you know, I hate to call him Albert Pujols, but we saw Pujols when he got back in a Cardinal uniform uh, looked a little bit more renewed, at least once the Cardinals got to June. Right. Um, but... Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not going to get too worked up about it because we are talking about that last spot. But like you said, if if it is an Alec Burleson who's losing playing time or if it's somebody that's playing at Memphis because of that bench spot. Yeah, that's when things start getting a little weird. Um, it, at that point, you wonder if it would have just been, been better to maybe sign him on as a coach rather than somebody on the roster. Yeah. Although maybe it's cheaper to have him on the roster. So I don't know how much they're paying their coaches these days. Well, if a coach leaves to coach girls softball, Fair uh, enough. I, I Fair think enough. that's a pretty good sign. They're not paying them very much. Uh, to be an assistant soft, yes. girls softball coach at Ole Miss and making more money. Yeah, that's probably, I mean, SEC sports is weird, but not that weird. Um, <laughs> so, so again, we, we've spent all winter with Lance Lynn, with others, and now with Matt Carpenter talking about this clubhouse that apparently was hanging by a thread last year. I mean, I know we saw some issues. We saw the Tyler O'Neill thing early. We saw the Wilson Contreras thing, which I mean, honestly, for the most part, I felt like that was more of a front office issue than a, a clubhouse issue. Although we've heard, you know, especially since, since in the last week or two, really Jack Flaherty, you know, kind of stepping up and taking some, some blame for that. Um, but it didn't feel like, you know, everybody was at each other's throats or anything like that. So it seems very interesting that the Cardinals are leaning so heavily on, you know, veteran leadership. Um, you know, and, and uh, Paul Goshman are talking about him. Nolan Arnauto was talking about it today in an article that Katie Rue, uh, or an interview that she had with him. Um, so it's not like it's just the front office that's going this way, but it still feels like, you know, they saw a a hole and are just dumping every single thing into it to the point where the hole's been filled and you can't even see the hole anymore and they're still going. Yeah, it does feel like an overcompensation to some extent. And we didn't hear a lot of things about it possibly being a toxic clubhouse. Mm. We've just heard lack of leadership, uh, which those can be separate things. I, right. I think people right. get those confused sometimes that people think that, toxic clubhouse and you know that's where you got guys at each other's throats you have mm -hmm. divisions sometimes you just have lack of leadership that no one really knows who's taking charge you kind of got guys looking around waiting for somebody to do it and no one really is or from what we kind of heard from mo paul goldschmidt kind of felt like he was having to shoulder the entire load um quiet guy who you hear does lead in the clubhouse but it sounds like he was trying to have to carry that. Now I've heard some people criticize Marmol and say, where's the manager in this or how terrible is a manager? 
the manager has other things going on. Um, he leads to an extent, but the best leadership is going to come from your peers in situations like this. There are many times a manager is having to lead behind closed doors. He's having to do other things. Um, I had talked to, um, it's been years ago, but uh, someone who was a bat boy for the Cardinals when Tony La Russa was the manager. And he talked about La Russa basically did his own thing. Kind of, um, he, he, a lot of stuff behind closed doors, um, because he had other things he had to do, but you had guys in the clubhouse that were actually leading. So mm-hmm. I'm not throwing that on the manager in this situation. Maybe a little bit, bit of it does. Uh, we saw some communication issues last year, but yeah, it, it feels like they, or they just keep jam packing this with guys who have that leadership quality. Now, everything I've heard about Kyle Gibson, um, even the short time he was in Baltimore, people said he was a fantastic leader and people hated to see him go. And and you love hearing that you love hearing that people hate to see a guy leave. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how many guys you can just throw in a clubhouse who are great leaders and hope that something magical is going to come from it. Um, leadership has to be earned. It's not necessarily given. And so perhaps what we've seen from guys like Brendan Donovan in recent months, it seems like he's kind of stepping up to the plate. That might be where that leadership and influence has be is beginning to be earned by him. Maybe you can throw a guy in the clubhouse and make it work and make it stick, but it, it doesn't always work like that. Yeah. I think it's, it's very funny. Um, you remember back in 2017 off season, that the Cardinals needed a center fielder, or at least they thought they needed a center fielder. And so they went out and bought, you know, brought in um, Dexter Fowler. And then by, by that spring training, all of a sudden you look up and, Oh, you know, guess what? We really already had a center fielder. His name is Tommy Pham. Um, But they had already gone and tried to fill this spot. And so, you know, Dexter Fowler was here for a number of years. Tommy Pham wasn't blah, blah, blah. I feel kind of the same way about what we're seeing here as they're bringing in this leadership, but it's already here because we're hearing some really good things about Donovan and not just a, Hey, this guy's been around the log of the block and he knows how to do this. Well, you know, this is, you know, Donovan's texting people. He's, you know, he's expressing his opinion. He's trying to get people on the same page. He's, you know, he's arranging things in the off season and, you know, he's doing all this kind of stuff that, you want to see out of a leader. And just because he's only been here, you know, what's this his third season in the, in the big leagues, doesn't mean that he can't be that effective leader that you're looking for. Right. So it almost feels like the Cardinals felt like they had to bring that in when, you know, Donovan had already determined that he was going to take that role on because he had seen, seen the gap, seen, seen what needed to be done. So, you know, maybe some of this was, was not necessary. And, and we'll say, I mean, I guess, you know, again, I'm sure the Cardinals would tell you that you can't have too much veteran leadership. Um, but I do wonder, you know, Matt Carpenter has been gone for a couple of years. This is a young team that doesn't necessarily know him. He doesn't have that aura of an Albert Pujols or of a Yadier Molina of guys that everybody knows they've been around for a long time and, and, and just respect them just because of. So I don't know what kind of impact Matt Carpenter has on this team more than any other, you know, veteran that you could have gone out and bought. Yeah. And I think in some ways he will have to almost reestablish his leadership by setting the example. But I think that's something he's probably going to do and fully capable of doing. And like I said earlier, it, 
it doesn't necessarily mean that things have been toxic in the Cardinals clubhouse. And if you read Katie Wu's interview with Nolan Arenado, it, it just seems like some of it was just an it was more omission rather than commission with what was going on. And and for all we know, it could be something as simple as they didn't have the guys in place to kind of take maybe a Jordan Walker or a Mason Wynn under their wing and say, Hey, you know, this is the time that we show up for games. Uh, this is the routine we get into. This is what you need to make sure you're doing at home, or this is how much sleep you need to be getting, or, you know, this is how many ground balls that you want to take before, uh, before games. This is what time to be in the cage. It could be anything like that, that guys, maybe the young guys just didn't know what to do. Um, because they didn't have somebody there just kind of taking them under their wing and saying, Hey, follow me. This is what we're going to do. You know, I'll kind of show you how to do it. So maybe that's what they just need. Maybe they need more of those guys who have been there long enough who can show them how things are done. Not, It's not a fact it, that it's not a thing of the young players being immature or goofing off or not taking things seriously. Maybe they just need those guys who can kind of set the example and say, hey, this is how we do things. Follow along. You know, I'm going to show you the ropes, something like that. We really don't know. Um but hopefully that is one of those things Carpenter can get in there and help. And it may only be a spring training thing. Uh, this could be one of those things. Um, I kind of joked with you that we may two years down the road, see an article in the post dispatch about how Thomas and JC learned what it meant to be a pro from hanging around Matt Carpenter in spring training. And maybe Carpenter doesn't make it out of spring training, but maybe he put some of these guys on the right path going forward. I don't know. Um, Right now, it's all a little bit weird and curious. Maybe by the time they break camp, we're going to go, okay, that makes a little more sense. Or, okay, we saw this coming. Or maybe we're just going to be as bewildered as we are now. I don't know. It's always possible. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's very, very, I mean, and again, I know it's different between coaches and players. I mean, you, as you said, you know, sometimes you need your peers. But I do think about, you know, how much Jordan Walker has talked about how much Willie McGee has helped him and how Mason Wynn has talked about Jose Akindo and stuff like that. Guys that have that, you know, the same type of leadership, the same type of connection to the Cardinal way and all that kind of stuff. And, and again, I'm, 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 I know it's different when you've got a player and who's going through the, the motions with you, but um, it's not like they should be totally bereft uh, in that clubhouse. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all, all, all plans out. And then, you know, we, we spend all weekend looking at Matt Carpenter only then to today get to switch to, I don't know, maybe the next Matt Carpenter. I, I don't know if there's a connection. I don't know if there's a segue. I don't know if there's anything, but Tommy Edmond gets a two-year contract after they couldn't agree for arbitration. He gets a two-year deal buys out both of his, his this year's arbitration and next year's arbitration and become a free agent at the same time as he normally did. And David, I don't know what you think. Um, and I hope you will tell me here in a minute. Uh, that's what <laughs> the show is about. But um, I felt like, I just felt like this was something the Cardinals didn't, I mean, it's fine. I'm, I'm no, I don't think it's a big deal. Uh, again, it's kind of like Matt Carpenter. It's like, whatever but it just feels like something that they didn't need to do and might be a situation where it bites them a little bit next year. Maybe so. Um, I kind of looked at it as headache prevention. Mm -hmm. uh, that's about all I see. Uh, I don't think Tommy Edmond was going to be one of those guys who was going to have a sour attitude if they had to actually go to trial on this. But I feel like it was kind of just one of those things like, let's just 
not mess with it. Um, this guy's going to be on our roster for this year, next year, barring a trade. Let's just go ahead and get this thing done. Not have to worry about it. Cardinals don't have to worry about any type of ARB deals going to trial coming up, which is probably a relief for both the players and the front office. So to me, that's, I was kind of like, eh, okay. It, it, it's one of those things it's news, but it's almost not news. Um, it, it'd be news if it was like a three or four year extension or something like that, that went beyond his arbitration years. But the fact that this is only leading up to free agency and the Cardinals may have had to spend a little extra money. Eh, okay. I, I yeah. I, and good for him. Good for Tommy Edmund too. And I'm glad he doesn't have to deal with this, uh, in spring with this looming over him. Um, you know, it's always as an outsider, I'm always kind of curious at how guys can get so upset and get so messed up by something Mm -hmm. like this but it happens and it's reality so the fact that they don't actually have to go to trial cool but for me it's it's not really a big deal one way or the other Uh, maybe i'm understating that and um i don't know maybe you've got you're the money guy you might have some (laughs) stronger feelings on that one well I, i i don't know that stronger is the thing but i also i look at it one He's making 16 and a half over the next two, which means assuming it's even right. It's eight and eight and a quarter this year, eight and a quarter next, next year. Well, he had filed for what? Just under 7 million. The Cardinals had come in at six and a half million. So even if you just look at it this year, he's getting a significant raise from what he even had asked for. I know that next year he would have gotten a bump in arbitration. I don't know that it would have been to the point where it would have been, I feel like this deal is going to make Tommy Edmond more than he would have made in arbitration these two years. I guess let's put it that way. Which again, you, you know, Tommy Edmond has done a lot for this team. He's done a lot at min- league minimums. I, it's not a big deal for him. I mean, it's not a big deal for the organization. He gives them a chance to say payroll was going up, um, which is always what they want to be able to point to, uh, even if it's not the <laughs> way we would like it to be. Um, but I think. I think what I don't want to say bugs me, but I I, I wonder about is I feel like without this deal, Tommy Edmund has a potential to be a non-tender candidate at the end of this year. Hmm. Um, Again, probably not because of the way the Cardinals like him, but look at him almost every year. He's 10% below league averaged offensively. He's got defensive skills, but you know, if you assume that Mason Wynn is your shortstop all year and continues to be, right? You've got Victor Scott the second coming up. We don't know what Dylan Carlson's gonna do, but there's a good chance that by twenty twenty five wins at short and Scott's in second in center. And then where's Tommy Edmond gonna play? I mean, you've got Brendan Donovan already as your um, you know, kind of utility guy. Um where do you put Tommy Edmond on the field? And we've always talked about Tommy Edmond being this poor man's Benzo Brist, and he's playing every, you know, different position every day. And, and maybe that happens. But to me, when you look at it, it's like, okay, he, at the end of this year, without this contract, he's going into arbitration. He might be asking eight, $9 million for a guy that doesn't even have a position. You know, it feels to me for a guy, again, that's not offensively, necessarily gifted uh, although he is known to get a couple of bags um i just think that's an argument i don't think the cardinals actually would necessarily non-tender him because they have always shown more respect to tommy edmund than maybe i feel like it's deserved 
but I think if you took away, if you didn't put Tommy Edmonds' name on this and you just put the, you know, the blank case in front of somebody, I think there's an argument to be made that he could have been a possible non-tender. Yeah, you know, it, it feels like in a lot of ways, Tommy Edmond is always the Cardinals' backup plan who ends up being the starter. Mm-hmm. He's kind of the guy that's like, well, if it doesn't work out at second or if it doesn't work out at short or if it doesn't work out in center field or if we don't sign Dansby Swanson, Carlos Correa, blah, 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 blah. Tommy Edmond can play that position. And then what happens is Tommy Edmond ends up having to play that position because yeah. because the Cardinals don't do something or someone doesn't develop. And so... I feel like there's always going to be a spot for him now contract wise. It can be debated how much he should be paid for that, but I feel like there's always going to be a position, you know, next year, maybe it is taking that Matt Carpenter position. Maybe he's the, uh, the 26 man who plays every position. I don't know. I, I, I know one thing that I think the team is probably trying to do is get a little insurance in case Mason Wynn takes some time to come around or in case Victor Scott isn't quite ready for the big leagues. But you've also got the issue of Thomas Ajaycee, who is could be coming up soon. Um, MLB put out their rankings of the top second baseman in baseball today, uh, and he came in at number four. And they actually said he has the highest floor of any of the second basemen and they even put him as a possible rookie of the year candidate which we don't think is going to happen because we don't think he'll be up with the team very much if at all but all that to say that's another middle infielder who could be coming up pushing through you've got a center fielder who's coming up pushing through so yeah it it's one of those situations that i'm not sure where edmund fits into the team in 2025 but I feel pretty confident saying that barring a trade, there is going to be a spot for him somewhere just because there always is a spot for him somewhere. And that's not a negative thing against him at all. That's just to say he is kind of that Swiss army knife and he is, he can play almost any position. He may not be gold glove quality, but he's going to be above average. The hope is that the bat comes around a little bit more because that's, what's lacking right now. Um, but I think there's always going to be a spot for a Tommy Edmond type on this team. I just don't know if it will be Tommy Edmond after 2025. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's absolutely fair, but I, th- I do think it's very interesting. The Cardinals, you know, John Mozeliak's got a quote that uh, in the press release, that it said Tommy's strong fundamental play athleticism and versatility remain a valuable asset as that we view as important te- point of our team identity. There's nothing in there really about, you know, like being good. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the fundamental play maybe, and there's, there's no doubt, right. The Cardinals have slipped away from that at times and having a guy that can, that can play very at different positions and at go glove level. That's that there's, there's value there. I, I, I'm not arguing that. Um, but yeah, how, how much value, you know, and again, a guy that has had OPS plus of 90, 91, 91, I mean, 22, he was one Oh seven. So, you know, for his career, he's right in that. 9092 range and that's you know less than league average um he does have a tendency to get some big hits and um you know and he and he plays the game well and and again it's not a bad thing to have a tommy edmund it's just tommy edmund makes more sense at you know league minimum or three million or four million and when you start getting to eight or nine million it's starting to like you know can you do that with something else with that money you know, again, that that's just me thinking it out loud. Um, 
and and again, I agree that th- there there will be a spot for comedy. I mean, but I, it is also kind of interesting, right? That they didn't go any farther than arbitration years. They didn't buy out a year of free agency. They didn't, um, you know, look that far into the future. They just said, like you said, get rid of the headaches for this two, the next two years. We don't have to worry about arbitration with him. And then at the end of 2025, yeah, maybe maybe then they do part ways because, hey, at, the, at that time, there may be a new front office as well. Yeah, and that's kind of what the whole offseason has been this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen the starting pitching outside of Sonny Gray. It's kind of let's go get pitchers that, sure, they'll have options for after this year, but no, we're only going to really have them pitch this year. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, you know, not really talking about an extension right now. Let's see how this year plays out and how things, what kind of start get things get going with so and i know that's going to frustrate some fans but it also seems to kind of go against the cardinals philosophy that frustrated so many people in the past of let's just go ahead and sign guys to a big deal early and hope it pans out Mm -hmm. which it always hasn't uh there's that infamous matt carpenter extension uh some might might argue that paul DeYoung got money his money a little too early because he kind of slipped off and so this may be a new take with what the Cardinals are doing to kind of hold off on these early contracts. Now, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Jordan Walker get a big contract mm-hmm. soon to make sure he's locked in. But yeah, it, it seems like they're kind of taking a little more of a cautious approach before they start investing long-term in the future. And their long-term future may be sitting in Memphis and Springfield right now. And that could be part of the hesitation. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel like, I mean, we, we often talk about seasons being turning points, but this year truly is one after, you know, you can't, and, and Nolan Arnauto referenced it in his, in his article with Kenny Wu and, and we've seen it otherwise in Mosaic has said it as well. You can't have two terrible gears back to back in St. Louis that, and, and to be fair, most places, right. In most places you have two terrible years, assuming your owner actually cares, you, things are going to be different. Um, so, you know, all he doesn't have a job after this year, guaranteed he you know if it's a bad year he's probably not around you know uh john mosaic may you know transition out a little bit faster um you know other things like that may may happen so it's i don't know does that put too much pressure on this team or do you think they they have that pressure but they they want it because they want to be better than they were last year i hope it's not too much I, i think it's an understood pressure Mm-hmm. Um, reading Nolan Arenado's words, I was I was kind of um, encouraged by some of the language he used. It, it wasn't a lot of like talking about the Cardinals as like a a team or an organization. There was a lot of like we language. Like he he has immersed himself. He is a St. Louis Cardinal, mm-hmm. and he understands what the fans will tolerate and what they won't tolerate. And, and to me, it said this guy has bought in to what's going on, even the way he kind of compare the differences between playing in Colorado and playing in St. Louis and how the fans just, there is a higher standard with the organization and the fans. It it felt like he is all in on this team and organization, which made me feel good because I think coming out of last year with some of the trade talk and his Mm -hmm. disappointment, his injuries, people weren't completely sure about it, but this seems like a guy that like, I mean, he referenced the Cardinal way and being part of the Cardinal way. He, he feels like this guy is a true Cardinal. 
So you hope that this pressure drives them to be better. Uh, I, pressure can do weird things to guys. To some of the weak people, it can actually make them crumble. And to other people, it makes them rise to the top of their game. You hope that's what it does to this team. And maybe that's the reason they went out and got some of these veterans like the Kyle Gibson, like the Lance Lynn, because they're not going to fold under pressure. They actually welcome it and they're going to be better in it. Um had a friend today that I had kind of blocked this out of my memory, but we were just talking about some of the offseason moves and he, he referenced Jordan Hicks wanting to be the starter with San Francisco. When he talked about that game in Miami, that the Cardinals essentially had one and then Hicks air mailed the ball to first base. Mm, yeah. And he said, you know, that's a, that's a sign. That's a lack of mental toughness right there. That is a mental mistake um, that a guy just, he collapsed under the pressure. And, and so maybe that is the reason for some of these moves. If that's the case, then, Sure, bring on the pressure. I think these guys are ready to handle it. You just hope the skill set's there to do it. Yeah, hopefully so. And again, we have a long way to go, a lot of stuff to to figure out um, between now and then. Um, the Cardinals are, what, three weeks, a little bit less from, from spring training. Um, we'll see how it all how it all shakes out and whether the Cardinals, as they continue to talk about going to get um, a bullpen piece. You and I were continually thinking it was going to be John Brebbia who joins instead <laughs> joins Paul DeYoung over in the White Sox organization. I don't know. I mean, is it Trevor Rosenthal? Because, like, I mean, it's got to be somebody that's a, a former Cardinal, right? I don't know. Adam Steve, Adovino. Uh, I mean, Steve Klein he is coaching now, but, I mean, I'm not saying that he can't come back. Um you know, I'm not sure what Lee Smith's doing these days. Um, you know, <laughs> somebody. So, and I, you know, if they want to go and get Phil Maton, that that works too. He's he's close enough to St. Louis with his his bringing up that that would fit in with what's going on. So, um, that would actually be a very good move. But you know, if you want to get another St. Louis guy, sure, do it. Why not? Well, I think the key is. Has he called Mo and said, I want to come to St. Louis? Because that really seems to be yeah. the first thing they check off the box this year. Yeah. Got to have guys that want to be there. Yeah. Want to be Cardinals. Yeah. So Mark Burley is a possibility. Yeah. Always wanted to get Burley there. So, um, oh, well, we will find out. Hopefully we'll see some, some movement in that regard this week. But if not, we'll find something else to talk about next week. But until then, for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. In the air to right center. Back at the wall. It is off the base of the wall. The Cardinals are going to take the lead. Carpenter has emptied the bases. And with the three-run double, St. Louis jumps on top. And it's Carpenter again.